This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ community radio station, Joy 94.9. This is Amber Nichols and you're listening to the Kiss My Art show with Amy on Joy 94.9. You're indeed on the Kiss My Art show with Amy on Joy 94.9. The time is one minute past the hour of nine on your lovely Monday evening. Thanks to the team at the World Wide Way for another fantastic show. The next hour of Kiss My Arts will make you laugh at the playfulness, swoon at the romance and cry at the tragedy. How many Hollywood movies have this plot? Two young lovers can't be together because their families are from opposite ends of the social spectrum. I reckon there'd be hundreds. It's a story that time and time again lures us into the cinema with a box of Kleenex in hand. But it's a story that goes way back before the rise of Hollywood and even before the age of cinema itself. It's the story of Romeo and Juliet, of course, a classic love story that still resonates with us all today. And I'm sure we've all had our experiences that have made it difficult to be with the one we love. And we'd love to hear your Romeo and Juliet story tonight. So text in on 0427JOY949 or email us at onair at joy.org.au. We'd love to hear your Romeo and Juliet story. We are joined tonight by two of the stars from the Australian Shakespeare Company who are currently serving up a deliciously fresh production of The Timeless Tale in the beautiful surrounds of the Royal Botanic Gardens right here in Melbourne. Nick Backstrom and Brendan O'Connor will share all their wonderful tales and treat us to some live theatre later in the show. So kick back, relax, fill up that glass and enjoy an hour of the greatest love story ever told right Right here on the Kiss My Art show on Joy 94.9. And to get us into the spirit, this is a lovely little track by Lisa Mitchell and it's appropriately called Romeo and Juliet. You're on Joy 94.9. Well, hello there. This is Butterfly Boucher on Kiss My Arts with Amy, the lovely Amy, on Joy 94.9. You are indeed on the Kiss My Art show with Amy on Joy 94.9. The time is nine minutes, nearly nine minutes past the hour of nine on your lovely Monday evening. Tonight, we are joined by two of the country's most talented theatre actors. Not only... Your microphones aren't on yet, fellas. Oh, what? I've got to do the, the big fancy introduction. The big, sorry, sorry, I won't interrupt any longer. <laughs> They're biting to get onto the microphones. They're theatre actors. They can't help themselves. Got to jump in. These Not only are these two gentlemen, uh, do they have a string of stage performances under their belts, they've also got dozens of film and TV credits to their name. Nick Backstrom and Brendan O'Connor are currently in town for the brand spanking new production of Romeo and Juliet by the Australian Shakespeare Company. To tell us more, we now officially welcome <laughs> Nick and Brendan to the show. Is my microphone on? It is indeed on. All right. Guys, tell us a bit about what makes this particular production of Romeo and Juliet so special or different? Well, we're in it for a start. Um, it's, look, it's, a lo- it's outdoors, it's a, there's a lot of music, a very, it's a lovely looking uh, bef- 
Again, because you're in it. Yes, well, obviously. <laughs> well, you can see me. The viewers at home are missing out. Well, the listeners, rather. Oh, it's and, a shame that you yeah. can't see us on radio, isn't it? And, yeah, it's a lovely young, you know. Imagine this car. gorgeous man with a with dark hair and a beard <laughs> in a crisp white shirt with a, a Melbourne-style <laughs> cardigan. <laughs> but no, it's very energetic, vibrant. There's a lot of music in it. Brendan, on the other hand. Enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he does have a lovely... Uh, how would you describe your shirt, um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> from Salvation Army, I think. <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful patterned white and grey shirt. I like it quite a lot. It is lovely. Yeah, it is. It it's is. Nice. It's gorgeous. So back to um, Romeo and Juliet. Thanks very much. Um, so this production is by the Australian Shakespeare Company, which I believe, uh, Brendan, you've been a part of now for 16 That's years. right, yes. It's yes. a long time to be part of a, a company. It Tell us a, a bit about your experiences with them and what you've actually done with the Australian Shakespeare Company, if you can recall back that far. <laughs> well, let's hope so. Um, well, I've been, as, as you said, I've been with the Shakespeare Company for quite some time and um, w- way back in the olden days when it was still called Elston Hocking and Woods and Elston Hocking and Jans. And ultimately the company has done all of those sort of favourite Shakespeare's in the gardens that you've uh, people have been seeing over the past 25-odd years, um, produced kids' shows like Wind in the Willows and Alice in Wonderland and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it's a very strong company and uh, I guess... It's. I've had about four or five months' work with the company over the past 16 years every year, so when anybody asks me why I work for them, that's why I work for them. <laughs> so the salvos is just an, an image thing, is it? No, no, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I've had a lot of great experiences. I think probably the best things that we we ever did was we're pretty much – we not pretty much, we are an unfunded theatre company, and we you know make money out of selling tickets at the door. And uh, we've done a, a number of tours up through Northern Australia and Queensland. And I think they've probably been the highlight of my whole career more than anything else as well. Because we have our own bus, sort of whatever it was, 42-seat tour master bus, which we will sort of learn to drive and stuff like that. And it was just uh, – the company always have a very family feeling. Mm-hmm. It's always been a family. People tend to – stick with the company for long periods of time, particularly if they suit the style that the company performs in. I also think that the, I think the greatest thing about it, it's really hard to choose different moments, I guess, because really it's about when you reach an audience when you're doing Shakespeare, which is what I've spent most of my life either trying to do or doing, <laughs> when you reach an audience with Shakespeare in an emotional way not that you're emotional but you can make them emotional with it, whether it be joy or sadness or whatever it is it, it, it really is quite a remarkable experience to have so I think gosh we're getting deep here really yeah, on yeah, the yeah, show yeah. but I think I, <laughs> I was going to save that stuff for later yeah. <laughs> but I think the best thing when we were in Weeper which is, if anybody knows where Weeper is, Weeper is a very tiny, tiny place in the absolute middle of nowhere. No, Tennant Creek, sorry, even more nowhere than anywhere else. It's nowhere of Weeper. I was going to the toilet, which we had to share with the audience at interval, and these two little, and the only audience we had was this bunch of little Aboriginal kids, probably all about under 12 or 13 years old, and all these nuns who looked after them. And we thought, well, this is a weird audience. And I'm walking, I'm walking to the toilets, and these two little Aboriginal girls bail me up in the darkness. And this little girl, I'm playing this 
rotten guy who's trying to spoil his brother-in-law's marriage, you know what I mean? And this girl comes up to me and she says, if, if, if you spoil his marriage, I'm going to punch you right in the face. And I went, yeah. And I think that's, I think, man, That means you've done your job well. Shakespeare can reach anybody. It's not wow. us, it's Shakespeare, man. Yeah, Shakespeare yeah, yeah. does it. All we do is just trying to keep up with him. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that um, that Romeo and Juliet, the story, the, the sort of the love story that it is, still has a place in today's society? Oh, certainly. I mean, anyone, I mean, yeah, any teenager who's fallen in love and it's, it's the real thing, and anyone who's had their love denied for whatever reason, um, you know, it speaks to those to those uh, experiences that you know we've all had to some degree or another and also just the you know on a broader thing the the whole uh, problem is this fight that no one knows why it's going on so it's, it's a rational prejudice that sort of drives which as we all know is still a driving force today so mm, yeah. certainly and I think it's major themes like love, hate, yes. youth, age, yeah. unity, disunity. Um, you know, I don't think they're uh, they're, they're universal. They they're they about being old. human, yeah, not <laughs> being a member or of a particular culture. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Oh wow! Look at this. We're getting right into it. Um, so, uh, what are your roles in the current production of Romeo and Juliet? Nick, we'll start with you. Well, I play Friar Lawrence, and uh, Friar Lawrence is sort of the the parish priest, I suppose. And um, Romeo, he first appears when Romeo comes to him and said he's found this girl he's desperately in love with and wants to marry uh, that very day. And uh, Friar Lawrence agrees to this because he sees it as a way to bring these two warring families together. The heir of one wants to marry the heir of the other who wants to marry him and thinks this might be a way to actually bring these families together. But, uh, well, it does work out, but not in quite the way he hopes. (laughs) Yeah, but um, I think... He's quite a positive, you know, he's a character trying to do good, which I quite like about playing and that he is. So no no one's going to run up to you afterwards and say, John, punch Uh, you in the face. (laughs) No, I don't think so. (laughs) I hope not. Unfortunately, the friar discovers the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That's right. It does go horribly wrong. (laughs) Have you ever played that role before? Is this a new one? No, it's my first time I've played the uh, friar. Um, I think he's probably about 10 years older than I am, but uh, it seems to have been my year in 2012 being cast as people a lot older than I am. So, uh, But look, Sean Connery and John Wayne made a career out of being cast as people's fathers when they were two years older than them, so I thought, good place <laughs> Go to start. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Brendan, what about your role in the production? Oh, well, because of my stunning good looks. Uh, <laughs> and this very, very and dapper shirt from Salvo's. Absolutely, my dapper shirt, because I wore this, you know, to see Glenn about the job. Um, I play Capulet, who's Juliet's father. Uh, and also like Friar Fryer Lawrence, Friar Lawrence, he becomes embroiled um, in trying to do the right thing. But unfortunately, with the lack of information he has, everything he does really just pushes the tragedy closer and closer to sort of uh, to its climax. He's not a very nice man. Well, he's not a very nice man, but at the same time, he is obsessively in love with his daughter. I think anyway, from my perspective, he's obsessively in love with his daughter. And like a lot of parents who are obsessive about their children, it's really more about him and his future than it is about her and her future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He really, by Elizabethan standards, most of the things he does are actually the signs of a good father. But 
it, Romeo and Juliet is just full of these things. Not not just the end when you know, as soon as Romeo dies, Juliet wakes up. So these these missed moments, Capulet and the Friar, for instance, yeah. had this dreadful missed moment. If the if if the Friar had actually known what mm. Capulet knew right at the beginning of the show, and he had told him about what was going on with Ju- Romeo and Juliet. It might have been very possible that Capula would see would have seen that yeah. as a great political idea to join the families because they need to be at peace because the prince is going to kill them if they keep fighting and he's already said it more. But then there's no tragedy. Yeah. And then there's no tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's that missed opportunity as well. And Romeo yeah. and Juliet is full of them. That's what makes it a terrible, terrible tragedy. Yeah. tragedy you know yeah. what I mean? There's no one person or one event to blame. Just a culmination of events and people and decisions that people made yeah. and circumstances. And that, a lot of people say it's not a tragedy because so much fate is involved in the show. But I don't know. I'm, uh, maybe well, certainly I'm, not doesn't comedy. Cheer me up. <laughs> well, it is. Actually, that's a really interesting thing because the first, I reckon, and it's true, the first half of Romeo and Juliet is hysterically funny. Yes. And we're finding it with our audiences, and I've done it three, more, three times before, and I found it with those audiences as well. Ralph Richardson, the great knight of the English-speaking theatre, said if you can make them laugh at the beginning, you can make them cry at the end. And that's exactly what Shakespeare knew always as well. If you can make people laugh and endear characters, Mercutio's the funniest guy in the whole show, so how's the whole audience going to feel when, bam, he's knocked off? Everybody goes, (gasps) oh, no. Oh, no, no, he can't go. Yeah, no. We could talk about this all show, and we will come back to to the to the show. But we've got a song um, that uh, Brendan, you've chosen. Yes, fine. it's Thunderstruck by <laughs> ACDZ. Now, <laughs> how does this at all relate to Romeo and Juliet? Is it the Starstruck, or the <laughs> has this got some connection, or is this just a favourite of yours? It's just a favourite of mine. Or you could make something up. Yeah, no, 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 not at all. Oh, well, I got a good story attached to it. Uh, my brother took me to see ACDC when I was eleven years old at the Rockhampton Speedway in central Queensland where I come from and when it started I actually started to cry because I thought my head might explode because it was just so incredibly loud I got frightened but from that moment on the the kind of energy, the kind of controlled, aggressive energy that ACDC produces on stage I've seen them five times since then is unique and if I could ever come anywhere close to producing that kind of controlled energy, focused energy on stage, I'll be going a wow. long way to being a really entertaining guy. Well, let's check it out and let's hope that it makes us uh, laugh at the beginning and cry at the end. <laughs> we'll be back here on Joy 94.9. Hey, this is Jack from Bombay Bicycle Club and you're listening to Kiss My Arts on Joy 94.9. You're on the Kiss My Arts show with Amy on Joy 94.9. The time is 26 minutes past the hour of nine on your lovely Monday evening tonight. We are talking about... The most famous and uh, the most, how would you put it, well-known love story of all time. Of course, it's Romeo and Juliet. And we'd love to hear your Romeo and Juliet stories. I'm sure all of us in our own ways have had uh, a moment where we can't be with the one that we love because parents get involved who knows we'd love to hear your story on 0427 joy 949 and speaking of romeo and juliet we have nick and brendan here from the australian shakespeare company who are currently in the middle of a brand new production of romeo and juliet which we've been talking about tonight um brendan and nick how did you both get involved in acting 
in the first place, or in theatre in particular. And Shakespeare well, in um, even more particular detail. There you go. Yeah, There's three stages to that question. I guess I just, I just love telling stories. And uh, theatre is just a way we tell stories to each other. And ultimately, when I, whatever work I do, that's my sort of prime drive is to tell stories to people. We just enjoy doing it. You guys are so deep. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so how did, it, how did it happen way back when you were first starting out? Did you... Did you study theatre? Or? Well, I, I first went to uni, did a Bachelor of Arts degree, and it was in that degree. I've, I, you know, I'd done Shakespeare at school, and it's kind of like, oh, there's something here, but it mm-hmm. hadn't struck me until I read... Hadn't a, thunderstruck you. Hadn't thunderstruck me, well segued. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was Richard III, and um, that just left off the page for me, and uh, that was the one that just took me into the whole sort of realm of Shakespeare and it's just once you get into it it's a uh, it's an extraordinary place mm-hmm. you know the characters are immortal you know, to, you know it's a cliche but it's true and the language is just so wonderful to use and listen to and speak but out of all of your um, acting experience you've done some film and television work mm. as well um, you've also um, been involved with uh, Opera Australia, you're a singer, you've got all <laughs> kinds of things under your belt. What would be your most uh, rewarding um, acting experience? Is it the stage? Is it Shakespeare? Oh, well, or? that's what I've done a lot more of is stage work. So certainly that's where I'm a lot more comfortable and, as I say, got a lot more experience. The best show I've that I enjoyed doing the most was that one with Opera Australia I did last year, which was called Yarrabah the Musical. And Yarrabah is a large Aboriginal community about an hour's drive south of Cairns. And it was a musical telling their story, which is a common. A lot of features are common to all the Aboriginal communities of a, of a uh, you know missionary being t- coming in, um, breaking up families, breaking up you know uh, uh, lands and so on. And so there's a lot of you know tragedy and horrible things in that story. But at the same time, there's a lot of survival and joy and uh, life in those stories as well. It's great to be able to help tell that story. And uh, I got to work with the wonderful Casey Donovan, who I'd never actually heard sing before. Yeah, right. And the first time she unleashed her voice, she for real. Sing, eh? Oh, my yeah. jaw literally dropped. I just, it was unbelievable. It was a great experience because it's not only... It was a chance to do good, which I, <laughs> I like to do. Of these, you know, you could feel the community just loving seeing the story, and uh, I know Opera Australia are keen to do more of that, and the director Ro- Rhoda Roberts is keen to take that idea to more communities and you know, stories we need to know. Yeah. So you're also a singer. Um, mm. How important is it to be able to sing when you're involved with theatre? Is it something that you use a lot? Oh, it's, it's a useful skill. You know, all these different skills that people have come in uh, play different times and uh, you never know what you're going to use. Um, so having, you know, if you've got a, uh, if you enjoy something and you can uh, learn to do it better and with more ease, then by all means do it. But it could be anything. In theatre and film, you can be asked to do dance or yeah. I can't dance stand the same on my your life, head. But come come to the show and you'll see me do it three times. So. <laughs> Most successfully too. Oh, Nick. thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, Nick, you've chosen uh, a song for us next. It's "Ruby's Arms" by Tom Waits. Why mm. Why have you chosen this one? I love Tom Waits. He's one of my favourite singer songwriters. Um, and uh, this was the first song of his I actually ever heard, which was at a nightclub in Brisbane, a group called the Two Star Club, which was beautiful young girl called Susie Hanson from an extraordinary talented family and John Wilstead he used to be the bass player for uh, the go-betweens 
and that's it. There was just two of them, voice and bass. And this song, I was moved to, I was moved to ask, what's it's that song? It's such a beautiful song. Who wrote it? it? And then yeah. I, the next week, I bought the album, and uh, it was a bit of a culture shock going from her voice to Tom Waits's voice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just a doorway into another, yeah, another writer I really enjoy. Another storyteller, yeah, because he's oh, very, very, much very so. poetic. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. He, I love him as a singer, even though his voice is shot to bits from day one, because he sings the song. He doesn't. You know, at the time I discovered him, you know, we had Mariah Carey who'd sing 25 notes at any given moment, whereas he would actually sing the song rather than show off. Well, let's have yeah. a listen. This is Tom Waits with Ruby's Arms. You're on Joy 94.9. Joy 94.9. Are you in a dog walking or feline enthusiasts group? Joy's pet inclusion program, Pets Allowed, want to hear from you. Share your GLBTIQ community events, dates and activities with us by emailing lostdogshome at joy.org.au. Please include the event date, location, a brief description of the event and your contact details. Pets Allowed, Fridays from midday on Joy 94.9. Plus, did you know almost all of our Joy 94.9 programs now have a podcast? We even have unique podcast programs only available via the Joy website. Just like House of Jack, who present exclusive tracks featuring Mark Island, Justin Ashworth, Adam Godaham and more, everything from down-tempo to dub. House of Jack support local music, and you should too. Simply head to joy.org.au and click on the podcast link to access your favourite podcast. Hi, this is Will from British India. You're listening to Kiss My Arts with Amy on Joy 94.9. You are indeed on the Kiss My Arts show with Amy on Joy 94.9. The time is 20 minutes to the hour of 10. Tonight we've uh, been spoilt in the studio by having Nick and Brendan join us. They've been talking about their role in the Australian Shakespeare Company's new and fabulous production of Romeo and Juliet. They actually have um, a little snippet of the the play to perform for us right now here in the studio. Never been done before on the show. <laughs> it's all very exclusive. <laughs> um, before we jump into uh, this little snippet, can you tell us a little bit about what we're about, what we're in for? Well, it's it's a scene quite late in the play, and uh, things are quite desperate for Romeo and Juliet. Uh, he's been banished. Her parents want her to marry another man. So in desperation, she's gone to the fryer and he's given her a potion to make her appear that she's dead so they can sneak her away, basically, to another town. But the parents have now discovered her, and as far as I know, she's dead. So they've come and found their beautiful 14-year-old daughter dead on the morning of her wedding. And the friar who was going to perform the wedding has turned up, and he's in this bind of knowing she's going to be okay, but at the same time knowing he's got to pull off this deception. So it's a rather uh, heavy-going show, a heavy-going moment. Now, I believe there's there's a soundtrack that goes uh, with this. An um, excellent one. An, an excellent, excellent one because uh, this production of Romeo and Juliet actually, um, unlike many productions, has quite a lot of music and specifically composed music by... Uh, Paul Norton. Is, is he an Australian yes. composer? Yeah. Well, there he, you go. And we we did have a beautiful those CD. Those of us who remember the 1980s <laughs> will remember Paul. Yes. Because he had a couple of big hits. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, yes. 
<laughs> we did have um, some of the music to play tonight, but uh, it's not working. So, yeah, which is uh, unfortunate. But um, I'm hoping that professionals that you are will be able to we'll do our best. Do your best without <laughs> the lovely soundtrack. I can whistle if oh. you like. Okay, that's great. Yeah, give that's out, a bit give too out. joyful. Take isn't a big deep breath. We are on Joy ninety four point nine, so we need a bit of joy. <laughs> Shall we start? Shall we yeah, yeah, let's okay. let's take it away. Oh child, oh child, my soul, but not my child. Dead art thou, dead alack. My child is dead, and with my child, my joys are buried. Peace, ho, for shame. Confusion's cure lives not in these confusions. Heaven and yourself had part in this fair maid. Now heaven hath all, and all the better is it for the maid. And weep ye now, seeing she's advanced above the clouds as high as heaven itself. Dry up your tears, and strew your rosemary on this fair course, and as the custom is, in all her best array, bear her to church. For though fond nature bids us all lament, Yet nature's tears are reason's merriment. All things that we ordain at festival turn from their office to black funeral. Our instruments to melancholy bells, our wedding cheer to a sad burial feast, our solemn hymns to sullen dirges change, our bridal flowers serve for a buried corpse, and all things change them to the contrary. Sir... Go you in, and madam, go with him. And go, Sir Paris, let every one prepare to follow this fair corpse unto her grave. The heavens do lower upon you for some ill. Move them no more by crossing their high will. Exit Juliet downstage right. <laughs> Thank you. I've got to go and see it now. It's fabulous. <laughs> Was, was there a, a typo? Did you no, 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 it's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had no idea that went like that. <laughs> I'm glad I read the script again. <laughs> Everyone was weeping. I was weeping. Well, we are just saying before the break um, that, that the show structure tonight has actually followed the structure of, of the Shakespeare play with having people laugh, splitting their sides at the beginning and then ending in tragedy at the end with sorrow and tears and the box of Kleenex. Absolutely. We're well on our way. We're into the last 15 minutes, so everyone should be weeping and weeping by now. Um, speaking of weeping and weeping, our next song, which was chosen by um, Brendan, uh, is a John Lennon song called Julia. It is. Why have you chosen this one? What's so special about this? It's my favourite Beatles song. So ever? any chance to yes, ever. <laughs> any chance, any to, chance hear it? to get it on. Well, let's turn it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and have a listen. Anything else? Or? Oh no, I think it's. I just think it's one of the most beautiful pop songs I think I've ever heard in my life. I, it, it, I can't listen to it without feeling, I don't know, all those moments of sadness that you have in your own life, and it's, it's not necessarily the words. It's it's his voice, and it's it's the. I don't know anything about music really, but the music seems a little disjointed often within it, you know, and it's. It's sort of, I don't know, it's a really weepy song for I, me. I think, was this, um, was this written about someone he actually saw... I think saw, about his mum, yeah. ...saw killed in front of him? No, I, I thought it was written about his mum, but I could be wrong. I'm not a music aficionado, I mean, but I, I believed it was about well, his Perhaps mother. we'll let it speak for itself. Yes, this that's... is uh, Julia uh, by John Lennon. You're on Joy 94.9. 
Joy 94.9. That was Julia by John Lennon. And that was a request from our lovely guest, Brendan. Thank you so much. Lovely. Um, So tonight we've been talking about Romeo and Juliet, the greatest love story ever told. And um, I'd like to hear more about uh, Brendan's rise to fame, his life story. How did you get involved with Shakespeare? Well, my dad was a journalist. He worked for the ABC. And uh, and, uh, one day he brought home this great, huge, better cam recorder thing that had a monitor with it and with it he had six movies and this was in the day when people you know people didn't have vcrs in their homes or anything like that and one of them was henry v with lawrence olivier in it and the other one was richard the third with lawrence olivier in it yeah lawrence olivier is in everything isn't he? <laughs> and uh it just won me particularly henry v by the you know, crispin day speech and stuff like that it's just like oh i just wanted to find a frenchman to kill once i listened to it he doesn't do that anymore. I don't. <laughs> I don't do that but I, I really, it, it really had quite an effect on me. I, I mean, I don't, I mean, I mean I, I'm not particularly well educated or anything like that. And I wasn't then either. I was only 12. But I think it was the first, I really got affected by it. The, the, the characters that, particularly the ones that Laurence Olivier created, were like gods. They weren't like normal people. He wasn't trying to find normal or naturalism. He was trying to find gods or... Or, or, you know, these things of greatness. And he certainly found them in both of those movies, playing with those characters. And that made me want to be an actor as well, I suppose. But I worked in circuses first and stuff like that. I left school early. Worked in circ- community circuses, like street arts, rock and roll circus and circuses like that. And then I went to a Grotowski drama school because this French guy came from France to retire here. And he opened a drama school in towns. Well, he didn't open it, he just took it over. And I went there and learnt with him and stayed there for about eight years with a repertory company there. Speaking of drama schools, tell us a little bit about uh, Theatre Inc. Yes, Theatre Inc. Everybody, you can see that I'm wearing a Theatre Inc. t-shirt at this moment. Um, Theatre Inc., uh, that very man, that very Frenchman who started a theatre company that I founded with him, as amongst another group, many actors, died about six years ago now. And he'd created in Townsville, of all places, really quite a, a large theatre business there. And it promptly started to die. So um, my girlfriend and myself, who both at different times, worked for that company for long periods of time, decided that we didn't want it to, so we thought we'd go up there and keep it going. So we've been doing that since. It's now called Theatre Inc. It was originally called Tropic Line With Theatre a Q? Company. With a Q, Theatre in North Queensland. It's ah, really cool. Oh, that's know. very cool. So, um, so we, we, yeah, I've been doing that for the past five years and, and uh, they have a Shakespeare tradition there that's been happening since 1992 in Townsville, which I participated in originally. And... And it's a, one of the longest Shakespeare traditions in Australia and certainly the longest regional one. And, um, and it was on the point of death and it was something I knew, so some way I could help, I suppose. But we've been seduced by it again. I love where I come from and, and I'm glad I'm going back there more often now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's a good place. Does Theatre Inc. have a website that people can check out? If... It does, but I have no idea what it is. So Google, <laughs> <laughs> Google Theatre Inc. and maybe something will come up. Yeah, yeah, there's lots and lots of stuff on it. Yeah, yeah, heaps of stuff, heaps of stuff. And a Facebook page, I know Yeah, that. a Facebook page and all that sort of thing too, yeah. yeah. Theatre Inc. I-N-Q. I-N-Q. Very, very clever. Absolutely. Now, both of you, um, you've had a lot of experience on the stage, but also um, some experience with film and television and advertising roles as well. Tell us a little bit about those. Brendan, neighbours, um, blue healers. Well, yes. Look, my, my, my greatest claim to fame is that I've, I've played more characters on Neighbours than anybody else. Well, I had last time I did the last one, which was nine, <laughs> ranging from like two episodes to sort of I did about seven months, I think, once on it playing 
the editor of Erinsborough News. But yes, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great. You don't, you can't survive in Melbourne as an actor really unless you make television. And mm-hmm. the, there's not so much anymore, but certainly in the time that I chose to do that kind of thing here. Um, there were lots of great shows like Healers and Man from Snow River and Stingers and you know the, the list is endless. Mm-hmm, Won't go through them all, obviously, but but they're great television programs. What anybody thinks of them, I love them because they paid my rent time and time and time and time. Again. <laughs> but it's good fun, but not like theatre. Theatre's better. Is it? I was about to ask how you compare the the stage to to television or film acting. Is is there a preference? Is it a different style? Oh, look, it is it is a different style and. Um, Theatre, you've got that wonderful interaction with the audience, mm. which of course you don't get with film or TV. Um, I haven't done enough film and TV to, you know, say I've made up my mind about it. But I, you know, I, I love doing theatre, and um, the, the bits of film and TV I've done, I've enjoyed. You know, working with lovely actors and directors and crew, and um, you get fed better in TV <laughs> than you do on theatre. <laughs> you get everything better in theatre. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, they're, they're all they're all part of the same sort of skill set, and you you, know, you, you uh, adjust for each uh, medium. That's the trick. I, guess. I think some people are I think some people are better at some things mm, than they are mm. at others because, whilst I mean, I have a very great actors say that there's no difference between acting in the mm-hmm. theatre and acting in television. It's the same. I, I don't believe that's true by virtue of the fact that the way I act on television, the way I act in the theatre, is completely different. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, but certainly television, that's what I think. What it sounds really wanky, and I hate saying it, but it's the best way I've ever heard it described from a movie called Vampire Movie of all things. This actress is sort of poo-pooing the film industry, and she says, um, "She says all a camera does is take from you, but when you're in front of an audience, all they do is give to you." Yeah. And, and I think that's I think that's nice, actually even though it sounds pretty wanky, it actually is true. The difference is why I like theatre more. When you perform in front of an audience, and, and you're 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 making it happen. Not a camera, not yeah. the engineer, not the editor, not the, even not the director to it, but in the moment of actually doing it, it's you. You're the one who focuses either, I can throw focus to Nick, and if I can effectively throw the audience's focus to Nick and then bring it back for myself, that's what a camera usually does. But in yeah. theatre, actors have got to do that. So it's a huge oh, wow. thrill. It's mm. a real yeah, big yeah. thrill. And when you get the audience, I mean, you got them, mm. and it's just, and for whatever reason, you're just going... If there's no bigger thrill on earth. You can't do anything that's more. I remember fun. another actor, Hector Elizondo, American actor, and he said, "End of a theatre, end of a night in the theatre. You've got to wind down. You get home and you've got to calm down. End of a day on TV or film, you just whacked. You go to home, you go to bed. You know, because you haven't had that feedback from your audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's incredible." Hmm. Nick, Brendan, thank you so much for joining us on the show. You've been wonderful. It's been a pleasure to to talk to you and to have you. And uh, I do hope that um, the rest of the production goes well and things in the future go well as well. All that stuff. I hope you get fed well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What are you feeding us? Oh, yes. I I gave you a glass of water. This is community radio. A glass of water. Did you hear that, (laughs) listeners? A glass of water. I gave you lots of love, didn't I? She did. She did give us lots of love. We feel good about that. (laughs) Uh, Listen, we're going to take um, a quick uh, ad break and we're going to come back and we're going to hear why this last song chosen by Nick is uh, indeed chosen by Nick. Uh, You're on Joy 94.9. Joy 94.9. 
You're on the Kiss My Art Show on Joy 94.9. We've been chatting with Nick and Brendan and sadly the show has come to an end. We have Elvis Costello, Oliver's Army is our very last song. Nick, why have you chosen this one? Oh, this is a song from my childhood, which um, I think it's a great little rocking song. Yeah, great piano, great. Yeah, it's just a great bit of music. And um, I've always enjoyed it, I've always loved it. But as I got older, I discovered it was also a very political lyric. And I think that's the you know, best sort of political art you can do. That's just a hoot and has a strong message at the same time, rather than one overwhelming the other. So, And it's a very funky tune to finish the hour. Up next, <laughs> the boys from the Cubby House. You're on Joy 94.9. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.